Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to talk today about how we might learn to thrive in the flames because we're currently living in some very difficult times. Times of darkness, times of betrayal, times of fear, times in which we cannot trust the people in power to do the compassionate and the humane thing. How do we learn to thrive in the midst of those flames? Eckhart Tolle talks about the difference between pain and suffering. And what we shall see in today's discussion is that the difference is the difference between despair and thriving. These circumstances in which we find ourselves today are demonstrating to us the shadow of American consciousness. And we must learn how to walk through those shadows, turning on the light of consciousness in our own minds all along the way. Working with shadow material is one of the most effective ways to thrive in the midst of darkness. So so stay here today and learn more. So first I want to talk about the shadow of American consciousness. I think that's important for us to understand about what's going on here. What we see in the public eye in front of our faces is a lot of racism, a lot of misogyny, a lot of hatred, a lot of, 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 of thinking in terms of, of, of immigration as an unlawful thing that only certain people should be disallowed from the country. And, um, and we, what we see is uh, right now uh, a bill was formulated in the Senate or uh, amended in the Senate to, uh, for a, supposedly for a health care, which really has to do with a tax cut for the wealthy. And what it does is take, take the money away from Medicaid, Medicare, um, uh, el- the elders uh, of our country, so that their premiums will go skyrocketing high um, and make it impossible for over 22 million Americans to have health care at all. And this bill was basically done in secrecy, and now they're trying to ram it through um, through to be passed. It's recently been postponed till after our holiday weekend coming up. But what they want to do now is go into the back rooms and glad hand this so that uh, the people who are paying to have this bill put in order can actually uh, pay senators to vote yes on this bill. So we've still got a lot of work to do in terms of uh, telling our senators what we want. Um, and will we get it? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of just corruption in our government. So we're seeing that go on. But here's the real truth. It's been there all along. It's always been there. There's always been some degree of corruption at the government level. It hasn't been everybody, but it has been. Uh, there has been some serious corruption. And anytime money gets involved in politics, there's going to be corruption because people want to use their money to gain power. So we've got some loopholes in our in our laws that allow for these uh, lobbyists to pay senators and congressmen to do their will to do their bidding, and that should not be allowed. Um, But, you know, what's happened here is that what we're seeing is all this corruption that is so evident now has always been there. 
all of the racism that is back up in our faces. We thought we'd tamp that thing down. We thought that, you know, well, we've come to a new place in our world where we can elect a black president and therefore our, uh, we don't have any problems with racism anymore. And, uh, and of course, that was, that was not true. There was an underground of racism all along, people hanging uh, Obama in effigy after he was elected. Uh, the KKK didn't stop. It started growing more underground during the time of Obama's uh, term in office. And, and so what we see now is that it's blatant. It's out in our faces. We can see the shadow. It's, it's like when we walk by a tree that the sun is shining on one side and now we look to the other side and there's that lengthy shadow that covers a vast area of ground. Um, and we can see it because we've reached the other side of the tree where the shadow is now visible. And that's the same thing with, with this. We've reached another side of our evolution where we can now see our own collective shadow. And it is not pretty. It is not pretty. And we want our shadow to be pretty. We want to not have any of these things in us. But here's the thing. Difference is real. There, everyone is different from everyone else. And certain cultures are different from other cultures. Certain uh, races are different by culture than other races. Um, certain religions are different by their religious beliefs than other religions. Difference is everywhere. We're not going to be able to escape it. So how will we integrate this shadow material? Well, we won't integrate it by, by pretending it's not there. We won't integrate it by telling ourselves that it'll just go away on its own. we got some real work to do. And it, and it really does mean that we've got to really integrate, you know, the truth, which is a wholeness that all of us participate in, in, in and are allowed to be different in. So hate and fear are what cause these, these outrageous outbursts of racism and misogyny and, and uh, you know, anti-Semitism and um, anti-Muslimism and, you know, all the different hatreds that are out there that fear is what causes that. So we're afraid that people are different and that makes them somehow evil. And we must fight against them because we have this whole idea that if they're evil and I'm good, then I have to fight against the evil and make it into good. And, of course, you know, what we're seeing is not even an attempt to make it into good. It's just to kill it. You you know, we just want to get rid of it. Um, There's a lot of... uh, anti-LGBTQ folks out there who are saying that, you know, even so their messages are so, so harsh as to say that they don't care if if LGBTQ people die, that they would rather, um, you know, the world be cleansed of LGBTQ people. And of course, that's fascism in its, at its, you know, highest form. That's the kind of cleansing and purging that was done in Russia and in Germany. Uh, and in, in, in Mussolini, uh, Italy, it, where, where people are, are cleansed from the earth, in other words, so that there's supposed to be some kind of purging that takes place, making the world a better place. And I, uh, you know, I have trouble fathoming how it is that killing a lot of people through genocide makes the world a better place, but there you have it. That's what the thinking is. And and that kind of thinking is a very skewed version of reality that does not allow any room for people to be different and not be evil. So difference equates to evil. And, uh, 
part of that is because we have split off into the idea of good and the idea of evil. So if there is evil, what does it look like? And that is part of our problem, is that we don't know what evil should look like. So we think that it looks like a black person, or it looks like a a brown person, or it looks like a yellow person, or it looks like a red person. It looks like somebody who's not white. It looks like somebody who's got a different religion. It looks like somebody who's got a uh, uh, who is uh, has a different uh, sexual orientation or a different gender identity. It looks like difference. And so we've made this assumption that good and evil are out there, that's A, and that therefore we can attach evil to certain kinds of people. And there is a lot of people that are in power right now, and they, uh, they've spent years trying to grow their, their power to get to this place where they now are trying to dictate how we assimilate difference. And we have to be very careful. And that's the work, is the work of shadow material is learning how to integrate. So integrate means that difference gets to live beside difference without, um, without hatred, without fear of evil. Uh, that's what happens in our, in our schools. When we integrated our schools, what we said was, Black people and brown people and all kinds of people can come to the same school and what will happen is they will learn to understand and love each other and become friends with each other and even marry each other and it will be because we understand difference and it won't be threatening to us. But that's the very thing that frightens the racists and the misogynists and, and uh, anti-Semitism, people that have anti-Semitism and the people that are anti-Muslim is that we might intermarry, that we might become friends, that we might learn to love people of different races, that we might be able to really integrate difference um, without calling it evil. And so we're up against that kind of thing, and we're not going to get anywhere by having a war. Uh, We certainly don't want to erupt into a war, but we do want to be able to understand and appreciate difference. Well, how will that happen? Well, I can't tell you how it will happen. I wish I had a crystal ball that would tell me exactly how that's going to happen in America. Um, but I, I do think that the process is one of integration, not one in which we, we, we learn to hate the haters. I don't think that's going to help us to hate the haters. I think we have to understand that they come from a fear base and that it's based in ignorance because they haven't really spent any time with people of different races uh, or maybe they have been wounded by someone of a different race and, and they've just globalized that and put that on the whole race. Uh, but whatever the case is, there's a fear base to it. And, and so what's, what we need to understand is that our consciousness grows to the degree that we are willing to say, okay, I know you're scared, so how can we start a discussion about your fear that allows us to sort of assimilate each other's ideas a little bit? Um, um, so that I understand your fear and you understand that difference isn't something to be afraid of anymore. That's the conversation between the two sides of the psyche, the collective psyche of the American uh, public that will, will need to take place. There needs to be a conversation between the two sides of the American psyche, the shadow and the conscious self. We see ourselves as the best country in the world and what we're coming to understand now is that other countries have done far better for their people than we have. Uh, Denmark and Sweden have, uh, and, and many other countries, have uh, 
single-payer health care plans. They have uh, better laws for employment. They have better laws for uh, mental health and um, spirit substance abuse. They have better laws for their prisoners. They have better laws for their environment. They're, they're doing much better than we are. And that's an interesting uh, kind of approach, too, when we say we're the best country in the world. Isn't that exactly what Germany wanted to be when uh, Hitler took over and told the people that they were a superior race? and that, that, that the Jews needed to be killed because the Jews had betrayed the German people. Uh, this is, this is the, the kind of thinking that we've been doing in our shadow, or actually in our consciousness. We've been saying America's the best country in the world. And we're learning now that no, we're not. And the question that comes out of that is, do we have to be? Do we have to be the best country in the world? So, uh, or maybe we can merge with other countries, and maybe we can get along with and integrate with other countries in such a way that there's no one best country in the world. We're all trying to serve and 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 uh, be a part of uh, the a, a nation of peoples where we all are taking care of each other. And wouldn't that be something that would lead us closer to peace? So, you know, we we've also said that we're a peaceful nation, and yet we have been involved in several wars that just go on and on and on. We keep sending our military off to war. So again, the conscious self is we're a peaceful nation. The shadow is we have wars all the time. We, we have rarely been at a time in our country when we weren't involved in some kind of war somewhere. And uh, so that, that shadow material is still there. And the people who have military and their families are very much aware of it. But the rest of us just kind of can make that go away. And then what do we do with our people when they come back from war? Well, are we treating them fairly? Are we being kind to them and, and allowing them free medical care and care for their post-traumatic stress disorder? Are we taking care of our vets? Well, right now, we're not. Right now, we, we are, there's a, a big conversation out there about how we need to just ignore them and let them figure it out for themselves. And that has something to do with this um, health care bill that's out there as well now. So, um these are circumstances that we find ourselves in that are, again, demonstrating the shadow of American consciousness. We say one thing about ourselves, but then we do something else. Or we say one thing about ourselves, and we feel something else. And these are the, these are the things that we need to be able to address. We need to bring that into conscious awareness and allow ourselves to, to have a conversation between the two sides, the good side and the, what we call the evil side. Well, whereas where some people are saying that that all LGBTQ people are evil and need to be cleansed from the earth, and uh, and um, all uh, you know, there's a hatred for blacks, there's a hatred for browns, there's a hatred for all different races, and um, and what how will we incorporate that hatred into our our collective psyche? We will do that by opening up a conversation between the two sides, the side that loves other races and the side that hates other races. We have to reach across that aisle and be able to have that conversation. So so we're talking about the shadow of American consciousness, being able to have a dialogue. We might want to start on an individual basis by working on our own shadow material. What does that mean? It means that we are going to look at the various ways that the shadow works in our own personal lives. So um, if I have some secret hatred or some secret racism 
I might need to bring that out into my conscious awareness and have a dialogue with it and ask myself where it came from. Ask myself what uh, what that means to me. What you know? What where is the fear base there? I might ask myself some questions about where I act on that fear. And what I'm doing when I'm doing those, asking those questions is I'm becoming more conscious. I'm becoming more conscious of, you know, what goes on inside of me instead of trying to hide it from myself. I might also have a conversation about the whole idea of power. One of the biggest things that's happening in America right now is we've changed from a, a, a equalitarian kind of view of politics to an authoritarian view of politics where I'm the boss, you do what I say or else. And that's also been a part of our shadow material. There's a lot of parents that parent from an authoritarian style. There are a lot of teachers that teach from an authoritarian style. There's a lot of politicians who have always operated from an authoritarian style. And these these things are there all the while we're saying we we are a nation of the people, for the people, and by the people. We run our government, and uh, that's that's not true right now. We don't run our government. Our government is off on a tangent of its own. And so we might ask ourselves, what do we think about power individually? We could say, what do I think about power? What is power to me? What does that mean? Does it mean that I'm personally empowered, or does it mean that I have the power over other people? And how do I... How do I obligate myself to that power over other people? What do I do with that? So I'm asking myself some really personal questions about how I see power. And I'm having that dialogue with myself so that I can become conscious of my own shadow material. That's what each one of us can do on a daily basis right now to overcome this situation that's so externalized about power, about racism, about misogynism, about... uh, anti-LGBTQ-ism, those things can be dealt with on our own individual basis by each of us taking responsibility for our own shadow material. So that's one of the first things that we can do to be able to begin to not just survive this difficult time, but thrive through it. So looking at our own shadow material is difficult. It's not easy. And sometimes it might even make us sad. It might even make us mad. But we need to walk through that be the brave person and be able to walk through our own shadow material to see to the other side where we begin to to bring the light so that we can really clearly see the shadow of that tree that because we've reached the other side we can really see and own oh yes that's my shadow that's this that's the part of me that I haven't necessarily wanted to integrate okay so we're going to talk some more about this we're going to talk about uh, the difference between suffering and pain in the next segment so stay here for that you don't want to miss it We'll be back in just a minute. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. 
Let's start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's your purpose on the planet? Are you ready to make jumps to pursue your passions? We often make excuses, but it commonly leads back to fear. Sharing our stories provides an opportunity to learn lessons and leverage pearls of wisdom that we gain on life's journey. We'll help you push through the fears that hold you back from empowering you to experience pure love and live your life's purpose. Tune in to the Beth Bell Radio Show Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about uh, the how to thrive through difficult times. And uh, so before we go there any further, I want to talk a little bit more about Super Soul Sunday. You know I'm a Super Soul Sunday lover. And Super Soul Sunday airs this coming up Sunday, July the 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on own Oprah Winfrey Network in a special edition where Oprah Winfrey sits down with today's top thinkers, teachers, and spiritual leaders to discuss life's big questions. This is a regular feature on Super Soul Sunday, and Oprah's Soul Questionnaire poses thought-provoking questions such as, what is the soul? What is the purpose of human experience? And what is the most difficult decision you've had to make to pursue your destiny? It's a soul-stirring celebration of viewpoints from a remarkable roster of guests, including international speaker and entrepreneur, Tony Robbins, best-selling author and activist Janet Mock, Emmy Award-winning writer and producer Shonda Rhimes, senior pastor of Lakewood Church Joel Osteen, life coach Iyanla Van Zant, global advocate and recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, Malala Yousafzai, and many more. Here's a clip from that show. What is the lesson it's taken you the longest to learn? That there's nothing to prove. Because you're young and you start out and you're like, <laughs> look at me, I can work harder, I can work faster, I'm smarter, look at me, respect, everybody understand what I'm... And then later you realize, oh, there's nothing to prove anymore. All that's left to do is enjoy. Life isn't an accident. That's the lesson, is that regardless of 
whatever form of adversity you go through, you're going through it for a reason, to make you to the person that you're going to become. And as long as you don't let that adversity define you, and you look at it and you grow from it, then we're extremely lucky to do so. What's the lesson that's taken you, Janet Mock, the longest to learn? You are enough. Mm. You don't have to go get any more. You don't have to do more. You don't have to prove that you're exceptional. Mm. You don't have to get things outside of yourself to be worthy of being seen and heard. Wow, that's a big one. All right, that sounds like an exciting show, and I'm certainly going to be there for it. I hope you will be also this Sunday, July 2nd, 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN. Okay, so we were talking today about uh, how we might thrive in the flames, and we've said that we're going through some difficult times, and we talked about how we might be able to begin the process of turning on the light of consciousness on our shadows and being able to integrate the material in our own shadows so that we can uh, uh, help the collective do that as well. So I said that we would talk a little bit about the difference between pain and suffering during this next segment, and that's what we're going to do. Eckhart Tolle is one of the first to point that out to us, that there's a difference between pain and suffering. And what we've said is that the difference is the difference between despair and thriving. So, okay, what is pain and what is suffering? Pain is an emotional or physical uh, response uh, to either a disease, a problem, an issue, uh, or, you know, maybe even a spiritual uh, awareness. So that Pain happens uh, as a part of the process of growth. Suffering, on the other hand, comes from the belief that it's not supposed to be this way. I have a a little uh, poster put up, not a poster, but a little box thing that has these words written on it in my office that says that what screws us up most in life is the picture in our heads of how it's supposed to be. And that is absolutely the truth, and it is the cause of our suffering. Because when we have pain, we assume that that pain is trying to tell us that we shouldn't be having this this problem. That pain is evidence to us that the gods have got it all wrong. That life is treating us badly. That things are not supposed to be the way they are. So when we treat our, our emotions very similarly with other emotions, so... We think that anger means that you've done something wrong and I should punish you for it. We think that fear means that I should go hide in my house, that I shouldn't have to confront you, that I shouldn't have to talk to you, that I shouldn't have to do this or that or the other because it's too scary. Uh, We think that our emotions are trying to give us a very direct message, go do this. So pain is saying, go tell the gods that they've got it all wrong and fix it. And so we don't want to accept that pain is a natural part of the living experience. Suffering, on the other hand, does not have to be a natural part of the living experience because we can begin to flow with the energy of both joy and pain that allows us to be present with what is instead of trying to change it into what isn't. Um, But suffering is what makes us try to fix it, hone it, and you know, knock it into something else, make it into something else, make it better. Many times as I'm doing therapy with people, they ask me, how long is this going to last? And what they mean is, how how long am I going to be grieving? And really what they would like for me to do is go, well, it's about 2.5 weeks from now and you're going to be all better. 
Um, and of course, I can't do that because I don't know how long it's going to be. It's a part of the process. Um, but that part of us that asks that question, well, how long is it going to be, is the part of us that is suffering. The part of us that's in pain is not necessarily suffering. That The pain is just the sense of loss, the sense of, of difference, the sense that something is, uh, uh, it's hurting. Something is hurting. Um, and it, we heal to the degree that we begin to accept pain for what it is. So the process of grief, for example, is a long process that leads us ultimately to no more pain. No, it doesn't lead us there. It leads us ultimately to the end of all suffering. No, it doesn't lead us there either. Grief leads us to acceptance. When we get to acceptance, the grief is done. Now, that doesn't mean that... uh, that, that we're going to suddenly feel all better and that everything is all wonderful and we'll never, ever cry over that thing again. That's not what it means. That's what we want it to mean, but that's not what it means. What it means is that we can now look at that, whatever it is, that loss, that sickness, that problem, that issue, we can look at it and go, okay, that's how it is. I can live with that. That's as good as it gets. It doesn't get to, oh, now I've got bliss for the rest of my life. I'm done with having to ever grieve about this again, and I'm going to be in total joy for the rest of my life. We were given a a continuum, a spectrum of emotions, uh, because they are all useful to us. We were not just given one emotion. (laughs) We think we're supposed to only have one emotion, and if we only always have one emotion, that says to to the world, we got our caca together. I've got my stuff together, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm healthy, I'm okay, I'm a good person. Um, And and if we can do that, if we can manage to pull that off, then we'll prove to ourselves and the world that we did it right, that we lived a good life. And of course, that's based in the concept of suffering. The suffering says that we should never have any other emotions except joy or bliss. That's the only emotions that we should have. We should never have to deal with anger. We should never have to deal with fear. We should never have to deal with with um, sorrow. We should never have to deal with uh, uh, any of those emotions that people call, quote-unquote, negative. Um, they're not negative. They are part of our biology. They're a part of our psychology. They're a part of our human makeup. And then we were made with those emotions. They're supposed to be there. And each one of them has a message for us. So when we're in pain, there's a message. Um, And the message is that we're going to be moving closer to acceptance of some new reality. When we have children, when we give birth, there's pain that we go through in order to give that birth. When we have uh, uh, a new job, sometimes we have to lose the old job first. And sometimes there's some pain associated with that because we're grieving what we learned from the old job. I remember having a job one time that I really did not like. I, I was unhappy with the environment. It was a very dysfunctional environment. I was unhappy with the politics that went on there. I was unhappy with the power struggle. There was a lot of trickery and gaming going on. And yet, on the day that I actually left that job, I waited till everyone left, and I walked around the office crying because I wanted to allow myself room to just go ahead and say goodbye to this horrible job. You know, so I had to grieve that even though it was a terrible thing. So, you know, our emotions don't always make sense to us. We want them to be very logical, but they're not meant to be logical. 
Logic is for figuring out mathematical problems. It's not for our emotions. Um, but uh, so we we you know when we have these emotions, what they're meant to get us to is a place of acceptance. So now we come back to how do we thrive in the midst of this the the stuff that's going on today. Well, we begin to look at uh, uh, the reality of what's going on. This is what's happening. Now, I have to admit to you that I have my own personal struggles with what's going on today. And sometimes I get world-weary. Sometimes I just get exhausted from all the corruption. Uh, sometimes I feel this burden of, of, of pain that, that is there because there is such a vast amount of corruption going on right now. And it has such power. And we have obviously got something wrong with our legal system that it allows this kind of thing to go on. We need to fix that. But it is going on. And that's that's you know, that's what I have to accept. This is what's going on right now. Now I could look at that and go, it shouldn't be going on. I shouldn't we shouldn't have to deal with this. But here's the deal. Anytime we have a consciousness, a collective consciousness of any kind, it has a shadow. And eventually, that shadow is going to show itself. And here it is. So, you know, we could say that shouldn't be happening, or we could say, well, it, it was inevitable. It was going to happen at some point. And it was inevitable, because we have so split off from the other consciousness. We have, you know, we, for a long time, we lived in the consciousness that it was right, for example, to enslave uh, African Americans. It was right to treat them as non-people. It was right to rape their, the, the women of that culture and to uh, make them bear children for us. It was right to keep them in chains. It was right to do these things because they weren't really people. They didn't really, you know, they didn't really count. Only white people counted. So that's how we thought of it. And uh, that's, we thought that was the right thing to do. And eventually, that came into question because another psychology came into, became, we became more aware of another psychology. And that psychology said, wait a minute, these people are people and we can't treat them this way. This is horrible. We can't enslave them. We can't uh, keep them down and, and, and hold them uh, to a lower standard than the rest of humanity. We can't do that. That's wrong. And that's when the Civil War, came, war happened where there was this big issue and our econ- the economy of the South was very dependent on keeping slavery. And the economy of the North said, no, you don't have to have that. You can do it differently. So we had this big war that went on for five years in, the, in America. And eventually it landed on, no, we have to set black people free. They can't be enslaved anymore. That was a part of us becoming more aware of our shadow. So for a while we thought in our conscious endeavors that it was right at least in some portions of the country, we thought slavery was right. In other portions of the country, we thought it was wrong. And we had to have begin a conversation between those two sides. And the conversation turned out to be a war. And eventually, we came to a place where we said, no, black people are people and we need to treat them right. Well, we're still in that war. It's a psychological war, but we're still in it. And now it's not so much uh, that the economy is based on slavery. It's whether or not we get to treat all people equally. Our our, uh, Declaration of Independence insists upon it. 
our Constitution is based upon that Declaration of Independence. And, and we, uh, so we have inalienable rights, all of us, regardless of our color or what country we immigrate from. So uh, we have that, but we don't live that. Again, shadow material. So this was inevitable. This crisis we're in right now that's racism again, that's brought to the surface again, is inevitable. It's been a part of the American consciousness from the time we birthed ourselves. Part of our birthing experience was to include slavery in that birthing experience. Part of our birthing experience was to commit genocide against a whole race of Native Americans. Part of our birthing experience was to, to, to say to ourselves that, you know, these are not really people. These are savages. These are, these are not really, you know, real viable people. They are people we can treat badly, or perhaps we should make them give up their religion and have our religion so that then we can say that, okay, well, maybe you're an okay person because you have my religion. Um, so we, we wanted to wipe out the Native American culture and we wanted to save their souls. We sent all of our preachers out there to save their souls. What we were really doing was trying to inculcate them with our belief system and deny them their own and tell them that theirs, your belief system is illegitimate. Ours is the only legitimate belief system, which is completely wrong. But that same shadow material is right up there again today for us to look at and have a conversation with. So this was, you know, we can look at this um, difficult time of pain and suffer it. We can look at it and say, this should not be happening. And I'm going to make me a war. I'm going to get me a gun and I'm going to shoot some people that are making it happen. Uh, you know, that we saw that a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, hate them like they hate us. I'm going to hate just as bad as they hate. We're not accomplishing anything that way. We need to incorporate the shadow material. We need to integrate the shadow material so that America can, can be the country it says that it is, a country where all people and all difference is accepted. All religions are accepted. We said we were that. We put that ideal out there. We have that consciousness of ourselves, and yet we don't live it. And that's the difference between shadow and consciousness. So it is inevitable that we got to this place. Here we are again in this place where racism and misogyny and, and um, anti-Muslimism and anti-LGBT, all of that is out there, and, and it is a part of our shadow. It's always been a part of our shadow. It never was not a part of our shadow. It was always there. So we have to say, okay, if it was always there, it was inevitable for me to have to deal with it. And each of us as an individual has to begin to deal with that shadow material so that we can understand and integrate that shadow material on an individual basis. And the more of us that do that individually, the more the collective evolves. So that, that's the process of being able to incorporate that material and thrive through it. So we're going to talk after the break about how we can actually thrive in the midst of these th- flames, and we'll use a story that is written in the Bible to talk about that. But this whole thing of thriving is different than we think it is. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this. It's your world. Motivate. 
Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Mission to Millions and find a part of your life's purpose that you may never have known exists. Each week, host Michelle McCullough and her guests set out to bring you the tips and tricks you need to step out in a bigger way, achieve your desires, and live the life you were meant to live. It's Mission to Millions. Turn your dreams into reality by tuning in live every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Mighty Gems is waiting for you. Host Dee Lee shares creative ideas, sparkling inspirational wisdoms, and life experience so you can connect to greater consciousness to gain special gifts of inspiration, encouragement, enlightenment, and your own discovery journey. It's time to show up now and experience what it means to be fully present in your life. Tune in to Mighty Gems with Dee Lee, live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about how we might thrive in the flames. And the current flames that we've been talking about are are the current times of darkness, the times of betrayal, the times of fear in which we cannot trust the people in power to do the compassionate and humane thing. We've seen a lot of corruption. We've seen a lot of trickery. We are beginning to understand how much bribery occurs behind the scenes with regard to uh, the passage of certain bills. Uh, we know that right now uh, what's happening with McConnell is that he's uh, going in these back rooms and doing a lot of glad handing and offering money and offering bribes to people to get them to vote his way on this new uh, Trump care bill. And we see it. We know that it's now it's just like in our faces. We can't we can't deny that it happens. We've always suspected that it happens at various times, but now it's in our faces. We can't deny it. And um, so are we going to let those people get away with it? Well, we'll see. We'll see if they get reelected in in 2018. But uh, right now, here we are in the midst of this difficult time. How do we thrive in in the midst of this? Well, in order to talk about that, we've we've talked about the shadow, that this was an inevitable thing that was going to happen. The shadow of American consciousness was going to come up. We were going to have to deal with it out in the open. 
and that we can as individuals begin to incorporate and integrate our own shadow material and in so doing we help to uh, facilitate the integration of the shadow material of the collective consciousness. We can all do that as a part of our own growth and we can add our voices to the voices of those that say, let's be the America we say we are. Uh, We can join that resistance movement. We can write letters. We can make phone calls. We can do our part in the public to stand for uh, a truth instead of the standing for lies and standing for things that are not true. We can do that. And in so doing, we begin to integrate difference, cultural difference, uh, racial difference, sexual orientation difference, gender identity difference, all kinds of difference into our collective consciousness instead of putting it to the side and having little groups of of people that are in their own little clique and aren't allowed to associate with each other. So we've talked about that uh, previously, but now what I want to talk about is what do we mean by thriving in the flames? Well, in order to do that, I'll tell you briefly about a story from the Bible that you may or may not know uh, that I like. I like this story because it uh, talks about three characters, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were uh, the king was angered by their behavior, and he threw them into the uh, into the fire into the furnace, and they were to be burned up. But they uh, someone wa- looked into the little window of the furnace and saw them in the flames walking around in there, and eventually they just let them walk back out and noted that they weren't even smoking, it, their their clothes were not even smoking, so they were had been through the flames but had not been. Uh, ta- brought to ash by the flames. They'd not been burned up. And that's kind of what it's like to thrive through the flames. We, we have a capacity to keep walking, to keep trusting, to keep uh, going with our internal knowing, and, and to do what we can to make a difference in the world uh, while we're going through this, the flames. We have the capacity to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and walk through the flames without being touched by them. So uh, how do we get to that capacity? Well, we learn to have pain without suffering. Remember that I said that pain is a natural outcome of living experience. It's a natural part, just like joy, anger, fear, and all those other emotions. Pain is just a natural part of our living experience. Suffering, on the other hand, occurs when we think that we should not have the pain. We, uh, what screws us up most in life is a picture of our he- in our heads of how it's supposed to be. And so that, I, that is what suffering is, that a picture in our heads of how it's supposed to be. And I'm not supposed to have to have this pain. I'm not supposed to have to go through this. That's why we ask the big question, why me? Well, why not you? You want it to be somebody else, not you? Uh, so that, that, that idea is, is, is one that causes suffering. So, um, so thriving, what does that look like? Thriving is not walking around in bliss all the time. Although we may have periods of bliss, we may have periods of extreme joy, uh, but but it doesn't thriving doesn't mean that we walk around in bliss all the time. Thriving lives we means that we live our lives fully devoted to our own process, to our own process of becoming who we are. And who are we? We are authentic selves. Uh, the Bhagavad Vegeta would say that we are the divine self. The Buddha would say that we are the Buddha nature. The uh, Christians, some Christians, would say that we are the Christ nature. We have that as our essence, and yet uh, we, when we split off from that, we don't live in that. 
but when we are when we thrive we live fully devoted to that uh, deep essence of who we are and that's what thriving is it's being uh, aware being conscious being uh, alive to the moment being uh, um, aware of whatever goes on whether it's pain whether we do are in a, a mindset of suffering at the moment whether we are looking at shadow material whether we're looking at the light of consciousness in our own minds what is it that 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 we're focused on right now and what is the real truth um, if I'm angry then I'm angry then I need to sit with that anger and ask myself what's that what's that about what's going on there and what is the source of the anger what is the anger's soul message? Um, because like I said a little while ago, when we have some kind of emotion like pain or anger or fear or one of those that we call negative, even though they're not negative, they're just neutral, they don't have any negative or positive associated with them. Um, when we have those emotions, we tend to think that it's telling us to do something right away. My anger that says I'd like to knock your lights out, well, I'm just going to knock your lights out. Um, my fear says run away, hide, so I just want to run away and hide. Or I don't want to have to make a decision. I can hide psychologically as well. Um, so we, we think that our emotions are trying to tell us to do something, to fix it right away. But they're not. They're not telling us to do that. They're giving us a message from the soul. So when I'm angry, the anger is telling me, perhaps uh, in, so, in a more general sense, <clears throat> excuse me, anger is telling me I'm here. I'm real and I matter. In a general sense, that's what anger is always saying. So when I uh, have anger, I don't need to say, oh, well, I'm bad for having anger and send it away. And I don't need to say to myself that I need to operate on the anger and and, um, do what it tells me to do, like punch somebody's lights out. I don't need to do that. What I need to do is listen. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to listen. I need to listen to the anger and sit with it long enough to suss out the message from the soul. And the message from the soul says, I'm here, I'm real, and I matter. So how can I make myself real to me? How can I be, uh, uh, be here, be present in the moment with me? And how can I matter to me? You see, our emotions are not meant for somebody else. That's what we tend to think. If I'm angry, then I need to go tell you something. If I'm afraid, I must be afraid of you. Um, that's what we tend to do with our emotions. But actually, our, our emotions are gifts from the soul to us, for us, and about us. They're not to somebody else. They're not for somebody else. And they're not about somebody else. They're to us, for us, and about us. They're our gifts. That's like saying, I'm, my sweat is for you. <laughs> I sweat for you, <laughs> right? No, we don't sweat for somebody else. We sweat because we've exercised, we've worked hard, we've done some, something physical that makes our body sweat, which also releases um, uh, fluids and toxins from the body that need to be released. So that's for us. It's not for somebody else. And in the same way, our emotions are not for somebody else. They're for us. And so when we sit with them, we can listen to the message for us. So when I'm angry, because somebody has violated one of my boundaries or has or is threatening to, then then you know the first thing that comes to mind is that I've got a shield up, 
And I, I need to be able to look at that shield and say, okay, what is that? Do I need to put a boundary where the shield is? Or am I uh, reacting to an old agenda that I have had all my life uh, that, that might not be effective anymore? What's really going on there? And so when I look at life that way, then I, then I begin to thrive in the midst of the flames. So for us right now, what's going on is there's a lot of corruption. And it's in our face corruption. It's not hidden anymore. It's not hidden behind the doors of, of uh, the powers that be. It's now right out there in the open so we can all see it. And we all do see it. I think one of the most interesting things that's happened during this time is that we all know th- <clears throat> things that we didn't used to know. We uh, know language for things that we didn't used to know. I understand more about the political workings of of our government that I ever used to in the past because I wasn't paying that much attention. Why? Because I was unconscious. Why was I unconscious? Because I was a participant in the American consciousness that says I don't really have to pay much attention to what's going on. The government will take care of it. And I think that's what they were hoping would happen this time, that the corrupt people that got into power were hoping that we'd just do what we'd always done, that we would just go, oh, well, you don't need to pay attention to that because the government will handle it fairly and honestly. And then the shadow material took over, the shadow material that said the government didn't handle it fairly and honestly. Uh, it didn't always do that. There were times when it, things were handled fairly and honestly, but there were other times when things were handled with a lot of corruption and bias and uh, bad laws and things like that were put into place. So um, that was the shadow. And we didn't pay much attention to that. I can own my part in that. Um, and so now I understand what the emoluments clause is. Uh, how, many, how, how many people, raise your hand, who understand the emoluments clause that didn't used to understand what that was? Uh, we understand things that we never used to understand before. And it's because we're taking more responsibility for our government. And that is exactly what needs to happen during this time when it was inevitable for us to go through this period where the shadow of the American consciousness started showing itself. So <clears throat> that is a way of thriving in the midst of the flames so that we can feel the pain. We can feel the pain of all that corruption around us. We can feel the fear that goes with it, that somebody's going to take away our children's Medicaid, that they're going to take away the a Medicaid that provides for the elderly in nursing homes, that they're going to uh, make the rates for uh, premium rates for elderly go skyrocketing high so that they won't be able to afford it and they'll get off health care and they'll die sooner. I don't know. That sounds like a uh, genocide cleansing to me. I don't know about you. But uh, so we have, we have to look at that material. That's the shadow material that's always been there. And in, in shadow material, we take responsibility for it. We own it. We say, okay, this is America now. This is the acceptance that is pain that's not suffering, that says, I see, this is how America is now. The shadow is showing, and it's out there for everybody to see. Everybody now knows about the corruption at the American, the highest levels of, of the American political power. And we all see it. Um, uh, Thailand sees it. Uh, England sees it. Denmark sees it. Russia sees it. Everybody sees it. It can't be hidden anymore. It's right there out there for everybody to see. And that's a good thing. It's a very painful thing, but it's a thing that's a part of the process of us becoming conscious of our shadow material. 
it's absolutely necessary for us to become conscious of it. So in order to thrive in the flames of that experience, what we have to do is be willing to do what we can do, own our own shadow material, begin to sit with our pain and listen to its message, ask it what it wants us to do, ask it what it is trying to say to us, and and then do what we can. Join the resistance moving, movement, write letters, call your congressmen and your senators, call, you know, uh, write letters, write op-eds for newspapers, do your part to bring conscious awareness to this whole problem. And then the other thing that we can do to thrive in the flames is to own our own shadow material, to sit with our own shadow material and look at it and own it and begin to have a conversation between the two sides, the conscious side and the unconscious side, so that we can begin to bring the unconscious into the conscious so that we can own it and become more whole instead of split off between the two sides of ourselves. Another thing we can do, and I'll say this very quickly because it's a whole other show, is we can begin to try to de- uh, break that continuum between good and evil. Begin to look at uh, the fact that there really is no good and evil. It's all neutral. It's just what we're doing with it that's important. Um, so that's what we have for today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this show. I hope it's been meaningful to you. And uh, we'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.